11 minutes it is after 7 p.m. Uh, you tuned in to uh, uh, Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our business wrap. Zulak Mguni, Chief <coughs> Investment Officer and Co-Founder at Benguela Global Fund Managers, joins us this evening. Kwabe, good evening to you, my brother, and welcome. Good evening, Aya. Good evening to your listeners. Kwabe, thank you very much for joining us. Joining us, I want us to start off with African Rainbow Minerals. Um, 130% odd improvement in their earnings on the back of much, much stronger commodity prices. Uh, it certainly is the type of story that we've become accustomed to from the mining sector. Indeed, um, uh, as you quite correctly pointed, pointed out, I mean, they, the big thing has been the commodity prices. Uh, and African Rainbow has been in the sweet spot of those commodity markets, in particular in the PGMs and iron ore. Those commodities have really, really done well over the uh, past uh, 12 months, and they provided a significant boost to African Rainbow's uh, performance. Mm -hmm. What do you make, I guess, of, uh, they were just giving us, I guess, some guidance on, uh, you know, material improvements in their showing. Uh, but, uh, I mean, is this also, I guess, dividend season? Uh, we certainly have seen the same uh, from many of the PGM and other metals players. Yeah, certainly we would expect that uh, they would uh, pay out a dividend or at least uh, increase. I mean, the, the numbers are substantial. I mean, they, they basically went from making 28 rand in uh, headline earnings to between 65 and 68 rand. So one would expect that uh, they would declare quite a big chunk of uh, that 65 rand at least, uh, a big chunk of it as a dividend. So... Um, I, I do think that uh, one can expect a dividend, uh, a quite a significant dividend from them, a special dividend. But but certainly, I think mm. what the market is doing is it's looking forward and it's raising questions about the sustainability of commodity prices, particularly in light of the minutes of the Fed yesterday when they said they will start tapering because some of that money that came from the Fed found its way into many other areas that are not related to what the money was provided for. So if uh, uh, people raise uh, money from the Fed and they invest it uh, in other companies, then that money then starts uh, feeding the broader uh, uh, economic machine. So I certainly think that uh, mm. the market is a bit more worried. Uh, we saw the stock price was down uh, and half percent today. Um, I think the market's a bit worried about the outlook, and I think it should be. I mean, the, the price of rhodium, the price of palladium, uh, th those prices have really shortened life out. Mm. And I guess this is what we've seen. I mean, so when we look at the numbers of some of the big players here, uh, you know, indicative of that, that shooting of the lights out. What, what do you make of Goldfields? Um, they're at a point now where they're looking to, I guess, reprioritize their operations, replace some of their aging assets, but also optimize some of the operations like South Deep, uh, one of the oldest gold mines here in South Africa. Yeah, look, Goldfields has got a big challenge because um, they basically migrated out of uh, South Africa predominantly. The only asset they have is uh, South Deep, as uh, you point out, and they have uh, quite um, a big exposure to Australia. And that exposure is actually, uh, it's got a very short life of mine. So, I mean, they, they've done all sorts of uh, clever tricks to basically extend the life of mine. 
and they're still talking about 10 years. So in a life cycle of a company, 10 years is a very short uh, period. And that is a risk that uh, is continually uh, uh, threatening the business. And I think uh, Chris Griffith was saying that um, he he would probably start looking at acquisitions. And I think the, the, the price of gold has been relatively strong. I mean, if you compare uh, pre-COVID and uh, post-COVID, the price has been a lot stronger uh, post-COVID. And they've, many of these gold mining companies and even the platinum miners, they've taken the cash flows, paid out the debt, and typically right close to the end of the cycle, they will start uh, buying other miners now. Zulake? Yebo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Apologies, there's Welake. I had a bit of an issue there on the uh, connectivity side of things. Uh, Zulake, uh, you. I guess we we're talking about some of these aging assets, and I want to maybe hear from your end. Uh, I guess you know what, what you make of some of the other uh, assets that Goldfields has in places like Chile. With this one set to come on production around 2023 or so. Yes, uh, Zwelaka, do we still have you back on? Sorry, man, about that. A uh, bit of an issue there. Yeah, lines. Yes, um, uh, I'm sorry. I, I think we had some network uh, issues. We were uh, yeah, uh, talking about Goldfield. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Please go ahead. Okay, so, so basically what I was saying is um, Goldfield has this... Uh, a big exposure to Australia, and those mines have probably 10 years left in them uh, at best. Uh, so, so they now need to take their cash, and like uh, PGM miners and uh, 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 the gold miners are basically have had a windfall cash flow. They pay down the debt, and typically at the wrong point in the cycle, they would start looking for uh, acquisition to try and increase production. It's one sector where growth is being more prized 
than uh, uh, actually the value-creating returns uh, in businesses. So the guys keep chasing growth or maintain production, and they would go all the way uh, to, to basically try and get uh, more production. And I think that there is a disconnect between what the, how the miners think about value and what investors uh, want. What do you make of the price cycle? I mean, even just to ramp up production has something to do with one's reading of where the commodity price cycle is. Absolutely. So, so, so when the commodity prices rally, uh, essentially they would start looking at even their lowest grade mines and basically produce from those because then the, the, those mines are uh, profitable. But certainly what, uh, what, what the price cycle uh, uh, means is that you would have periods when things are very tough. And if you've taken a lot of debt because you were overconfident, that is often the time when these businesses uh, come under pressure. If you go to, to 2018, probably, uh, the SA gold mining sector, the platinum mining sector, was really in dire straits. Uh, the 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 debt was weighing heavily. The the cost of production was high, and by basically now increasing production, even with some of the lower grade uh, uh, products or, or, or mines, they are then able to lower the overall group uh, unit cost because they contribute more to overheads. So so certainly a positive environment for now and. Mm. For how long? How, how long does it last? Yeah, yeah. Only time will tell. So, Lucky, I want you to hold the line there for me for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. Uh, but when we come back, I want to find out who Ricardo Fluffy Pony Spunny is. It's our wrap of the top business stories here on Metro FM Talk. And joining me to take a look at these is Wilakim Guni, Chief Investment Officer and Co-Founder at Benguela Global Fund Managers. Kwabe, who is Ricardo Spani? Yeah, <laughs> you, you can ask that question again. 
I think he's known in South Africa as uh, in the tech circles as um, one of the lead uh, engineers on a crypto platform called Monero. So um, he is currently in the U.S. Um, he essentially fled from a a court case here in South Africa and fled to the U.S. And uh, so the South African police have basically applied to get him extradited back to South Africa. Mm. And I mean, of course, he took flight, right? Uh, you know, he wouldn't, uh, I guess, be able to defend himself and say, I'm not a flight risk. I mean, the fact that they had to go fetch him there is indicative of that. No, certainly. I mean, uh, he knew that uh, the, 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 the charge was quite scary because he... he was trying to get bail in the U.S. to say that his lawyers were dismissing the case against him in South Africa, saying that it's a baseless uh, accusation. I mean, he's accused of uh, fraud uh, uh, in South Africa uh, by submitting uh, fake invoices. So, so what the judge was saying was that he still fled uh, South Africa without informing his lawyer, without informing the court, fled to the U.S., and they, he essentially uh, declared that he must be remanded in custody uh, because he is a flight risk. Uh, he's already shown that uh, he, he, he could uh, run away from, from, from the law. So he is in custody in the U.S. awaiting the extradition trial. I mean, it's, a, it's often a lengthy process that... Mm. Mm. Now, Kobe, I mean, the other dynamic uh, uh, that I'm quite interested in, and uh, we'll certainly be following what happens to Fluffy Pony, as uh, many people call him. But I want us to take a look at this first cashierless grocery store by Checkers. Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting uh, concept. I mean, I, I think uh, one, or at least where, where the concept was uh, popularized uh, was through Amazon, I think it was probably three to four years ago. Uh, I could be wrong. Um, it's basically a store format where you can walk in, so you can use your phone to go in, take whatever you want, walk out, and there's no uh, cashier. Uh, and ShopRite seems to be looking to uh, uh, emulate that through the Checkers brand. And... My view on it is that it hasn't worked for Amazon. I mean, the, 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 the number of stores that they had targeted was uh, much, much higher. I think it was north of uh, 150. I think they're probably sitting below 30 stores uh, at the moment. So in the last three, four years, they only managed to open uh, 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 30 stores. And the challenge with it is that, firstly, you have to perfect the technology, which is why uh, Checkers is saying they're running it with their staff uh, first. So they, they'll uh, trial it with their staff. Uh, and then the next thing is going to be to take it, uh, to commercialize it. But I certainly think that it's quite a big challenge because uh, you go and you pick up uh, a, a product and you know, if the algorithms don't work well, 
and that's where the, the challenge is. You need to make the algorithms to work well so that you're not overcharging customers, but also that customers don't walk out with a product that hasn't been paid for. So, so it's quite a tricky uh, area of the market. And does it add value? Does it, would it give them scale? Would it enable them to take market share? I think there's a lot of optimism about them being able to challenge some of the convenience formats of the, the likes of WooWorks. I certainly think that it's probably, it would probably work in an environment where you have a busy business district and we are off COVID and things are running as normal. So people are busy mm-hmm. and they just want to grab something uh, to eat and, and walk out. But would it have a big impact? I mean, ShopRite has got close to 3,000 stores. I doubt that a cashierless business model is going to make any meaningful dent in their uh, in their profitability. And there might be a lot of investment that goes into this whole process, and the returns might just not be uh, worth the effort. Well, what do you make, Zulake, of, um, you know, the customer surveillance data gathering angle? Um, I mean, snap, you know, scanning uh, right through to you know, uh, uh, measurement of what's moving on shelves physically and all of the AI and all of that stuff. Um, and, and the ability, I guess, to, to generate some value or to contain some value uh, for checkers uh, from that particular angle. Sure. I mean, that, that data is available as we speak. So uh, they, they basically can see through their... Uh, in fact, uh, I remember when... Uh, what, White Basson was still running the business. He, they were so far ahead of other retailers here. They knew what one was selling uh, by brand at what point, uh, which stores are selling it. They knew what where bread moves faster. And so, so that data is already there in a cashier uh, model. And I doubt that if you just providing convenience, that data would be extremely valuable. It might be valuable for the little store because people are just buying uh, food and lunch and all those things. But I, I can't see it becoming a large-scale uh, model where you can sell sugar, you can sell baked beans. Uh, uh, I, I can't see that, that, that happening. So it, it will always be a small format limited to... Uh, quite busy districts of the of, of, of the cities, and, and that way they can basically uh, get some value. I mean, the, the stores would probably wash their faces, but would they be able to have a meaningful impact in the shoprite group or within the checkers brand? I, I certainly don't see that that chance. So I think I think it's more of a, a brand. Uh, enhancing uh, effect rather than just uh, mm. a, 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 a value creation uh, or at least a major value creation uh, uh, impact. Kwame, before we let you go, maybe if you could just share with us, uh, I guess, some of your recollections on why this had failed for Amazon Go. Um, if you could just repeat that, Aya. No, I just, I mean, I was hoping you could share with us why this had failed for Amazon Go. Yeah, uh, it looks like, uh, I mean, there was a lot of interest in the beginning, 
But the the product range was one of the issues. Uh, I mean that 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 people have, have spoken about, and I think that sometimes the technology, if you have uh, glitches in technology, so because you 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 need a phone, and it's like going through the Houghton station, but basically using a phone, and. If there are mismatches in terms of uh, what I took versus what I'm being built for, uh, that could create a problem. Uh, also, the issue of I don't have enough money in my account, and I go and try and take something. This thing doesn't preemptively stop you from taking more than what you have in your wallet. So, so I, I think there are technology issues that need to be finessed in that whole area. But I, I, I think the product range was, was one, but that convenience benefit was probably outweighed by the other challenges, like I say, technology uh, product range. I think that those could be the, the, the issues that would have played a role. Mm. Kwabe? We're going to have to leave it here, my brother. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That there was our business rep with uh, Zuela Kim Guni, Chief Investment Officer and Co-Founder at Benguela Global Fund Manager. Stay tuned. We're going to take a brief break now. We catch up with uh, Bakema Jenga. He's the Chief Legal Counsel at the Competition Commission. And we're going to be talking about Burger King.